Welcome to the Rooted Youth Ministry Podcast, which aims to advance gospel-centered youth ministry by equipping and empowering youth ministers and parents to faithfully disciple students towards lifelong faith in Jesus Christ. The Rooted Youth Ministry Podcast is part of the Rooted Family of Podcasts, which also includes the Rooted Conference Podcast, the Rooted Parent Podcast, Ask Alice, and Thanos to Theos. To learn more about Rooted, visit us at rootedministry.com. I'm your host, Davis Lacey. It is day two of Rooted's 2022 conference in Kansas City, Missouri. Uh, we have had an excellent lineup of speakers and of workshops. We have not had enough sleep. We have had entirely too much caffeine. And so we're coming to you in that context. Uh, but my my next guest on the show today really needs no introduction. Uh, she's one of our plenary speakers as well as workshop leaders here at the conference. And we're graced to be joined her by this episode of the Rooted Youth Ministry Podcast. My guest is Dr. Michelle Reyes, an author and activist whose first book, Becoming All Things, received the 2022 EPCA Award. She writes at the intersection of faith, multiculturalism, and justice, and lives with her husband and children in Austin, Texas. Dr. Reyes, welcome to the Rooted Youth Ministry Podcast. Thanks for having me. Good yeah. to be here. Oh, it's a pleasure. Well, you know, I know that you are an avid Thanos of Theos listener. That is true. We felt like maybe we would have an opportunity to expose you to other segments of our family <laughs> of podcasts if we at least had you as a guest on this podcast. So, so good. Thank you for breaking out of your comfort zone a little oh, bit. I love it. And helping us be here. We're we're excited to have this conversation with you. Likewise. Yeah. And, and so, I mean, I've said it, but it's true. In terms of breaking out of our comfort zone, we're talking about a topic today um, that is somewhat of a tense and uncomfortable topic, and that is being race-wise in the way that God desires us. So you're the co-author of a book, The Race-Wise Family. Let us know a little bit about you and your background and what specifically gave you the vision and the burden to co-author that book. Yeah, definitely. Well, a little bit just about my own ethnic background. I'm second generation bicultural Indian American, uh, which means that my mother is 100% ethnically Indian. Uh, my father is white American with British and German heritage. Uh, and so uh, both of those stories are part of who I am. Uh, you know, I'm, I'm a daughter of an immigrant, uh, but I can also trace my roots back through the American Revolution. Wow. Uh, you know, sort of living at that intersection of majority and minority worlds uh, and, and, and just the experiences that that has brought for me uh, in, in, in both navigating uh, dominant culture, minority culture, uh, having one foot in sort of like mainstream white evangelical Christianity, but also, you know, spending weekends with with uh, Indian uh, brothers and sisters, Asian brothers and sisters has has one given me a heart and a burden for seeing uh, greater unity and love amongst black brown uh, black brown and white Christians within the church. Uh, in many ways, my first book, Becoming All Things, was was a love letter to the church of like, how can we do this well for the glory of God? And 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 then by extension, the race wise family was like, okay, how can we bring this down to the level of the family for parents and children um, to really come to the topic of race from a Christ-centered, you know, Bible-saturated uh, approach. And, you know, as, as, as many of us know, race-related issues are some of the hardest conversations that we're having today. Uh, part of that is, and, and, and Davis, I don't know what your background was like, but I don't even remember having that many race-related conversations with my parents as sure. a kid, right? Like, sure. They're, they're, 
for many of us, there isn't that model or that background of like, well, these are the conversations I had. So now I want to pass them down to my kids. So there's this, this lack of legacy that we, you know, we're, we're trying to figure out how, how do we start something new? Um, but I find that parents are often in, in, in one of two categories. I talk with a lot of parents online, in person. Uh, you know, I, one category of parents, they have a lot of questions, but no answers, right? Whether it's just, how do I not mess this up? You know, or how do we like try to become friends with people of other cultures and just not like horribly offend them in yeah. the process? Yeah. Um, or even just uh, sometimes white parents feeling like, should we feel ashamed of, of who we are? Should we feel ashamed for being white or, uh, you know, for some black and brown parents? Like, how do I how do I equip my kid to like handle racial bullying at school? Right? Like so many questions all over the map. Uh, but then I think there's other parents too, that are like, Hey, look, there's great resources out there. I'm just going to give a book to my kid or maybe the church can, you know, deal with this um, because I'm not equipped and, and I don't, I don't know how to start this conversation. So um, in writing the race wise family, there was a desire to encourage and equip parents to kind of see see how engaging in this topic is, is actually part of our good and godly calling to train up our children in the way they should go uh, and, and to be race-wise as, as, as part of what it means to, to live your life for Christ. I really appreciate um, you letting us get to know your, your background and your burden and your vision for this book. I'm encouraged by that. And I think that it's going to even give weight to the second question that I've got for you, which is based on your reading of scripture and also just practically speaking, your experiences give us a picture of what you mean when you're talking about a race wise family, specifically what are our parents be aiming for as they're having these mm -hmm. conversations with kids and uh, yeah. Why does this matter to God? Yeah. 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 Well, uh, I, I, I'm, I'm a weedy. I, I'm a Wheaton College alum. And so, uh, you know, the phrase for Christ and his kingdom <laughs> is quick to roll off the tongue. But I, you know, in thinking about being a race wise family, I, I, I truly believe that is how we should see this, this issue is that this is part of kingdom building. Uh, and, and, and so in being a, a Christian race wise family, we are, coming to God, seeking his wisdom to unpack race related issues, mm. uh, and, 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 and asking for him to show us how we can bring the good news of the gospel into, uh, the, the, the race issues of today. And, and thinking of race through that lens, I, I think actually gives us some really helpful guardrails, uh, so that when we're approaching issues of race, we're, we're, we're trying to be a force for good, right? We're not trying to, to be a force for harm. We're seeking to restore and not to destroy. Mm. Um, we're seeking to be Christ-centered and not self-centered. Uh, and, and, and so this is part of our calling. It's something we get to do. Uh, and it's, it's, it's part of how we build the kingdom of God. And if we can, as parents, believe that for ourselves, that this is how we're communicating, whether it's an issue of anything from cultural identity to racial injustice to say, Hey, God has a word for this issue. And the more that we step into this to bring Christ's light into the world, like we are building the kingdom, uh, you know, then we don't have to, in the vein of scripture where it says that, you know, God didn't give us a spirit of fear, but, but a power and of love and to, 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 to see race in that life giving way. Whereas, whereas so often we, we were fearful and so we disengage. And so this is flipping the coin. How can we engage and be a positive force for the kingdom? 
Yeah, I appreciated some of the things that you said um, in in your answer to that question. It lends itself to this third question I've got for you. This is one that's personal for me because I come from a context where any time that you're going to be in a church setting and you're going to even broach the topic of race, um, you're either labeled you tend, you tend to be labeled as a as an out of line, way off the reservation, progressive. Right. Um, that's you know that's bought into these secular influences, and so I'd, I'd love for you to unpack. Um, how, what you're advocating for in terms of being Christ-centered, not self-centered, being about redemption and restoration rather than destruction, how these are good and biblical aims and how they're different from some other ideas that are out there in our culture in terms of race and and racial justice, racial reconciliation. Does that question make sense? Oh, it completely does. And, and here's how I would distinguish it. Kingdom-minded multi-ethnicity, it cuts against this world's notion of power because its goal is worshiping God. And so multi-ethnicity, just in its basic definition, means a representation of more than one ethnicity, right? That's It, it stands in contrast to the idea of mono-ethnicity. Um, but, but this is a deeply biblical idea. I mean, even just Genesis 1 through 11, tracing... Uh, from God's cultural mandate to go and you know, be fruitful uh, and, and and multiply in the world to then we actually see in the Tower of uh, Table of Nations, Genesis 10, Tower of Babel, Genesis 11, people actually doing just that. God sending them out, diversifying language, um, giving people greater ethnic and cultural distinctiveness. This is uh, this is not the curse of Babel, but it is the blessing of Babel that God sends sends people out into all the world, and so. Uh, you know, when we read when we read the whole of Scripture from Genesis to Revelation, you know, the, the way in which the people of God are to live with one another is in mutuality, in equality, and love. Uh, and, and when we pair that with this beautiful vision in Genesis 1 through 11 for, for God's heart for a diverse people group, you start to see how... Uh, these are the seeds for a biblical vision of multi-ethnicity uh, in, in the here and now. But uh, too often today, instead, we see each other as threats. Mm-hmm. Uh, we see each other as the competition. We're, we're fighting for center stage or, or whose voice should be elevated or heard over somebody else's. Um, and, 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 you know, case in point is even just fighting over what books should be on our bookshelf, right? I mean, there's been this whole movement to, to take uh, the reformers off the bookshelf and replace it with, 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 say, theology from the global south. And, you know, I, I have an issue, you know, I take issue with that because, at least for me, coming from Germanic studies and, and having actually begun sort of my understanding of, of reform theology and justice with Martin Luther and his wife, Katarina, and man, Katarina's brewing the beer and they're having 50 people over for dinner and, you know, feeding the poor on the streets of Wittenberg. That was my introduction to the gospel and justice. Wow. And I'm like, you, you can't take that off your bookshelf mm-hmm. and, and replacing one uh, one theology with another is just as limiting, right? So it's like, how do we actually, in the vein of biblical multi-ethnicity, hold these different, you know, French and German theology along with Asian and Latino theology? How do we hold these side by side and see a bigger, more robust picture of, of, of God and God's voice? And so, but the second part of that was worship, right? When we when we when we read Revelation 7 in context, this is different people from around the world 
with their unique languages, with their ethnic and cultural distinctiveness, worshiping God for all eternity. Uh, and, 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 and so how is it that we can have a goal of, of not just diversity as a checklist, not just diversity as a part of a secular agenda, but say, we're really going to be committed to local diversity, local multi-ethnicity, who are the people in our neighborhoods? Um, how can that be reflected in our local churches or maybe in our local schools? And how can we do that as part of our efforts to worship God, right? And and, and part of that means living in community in a way that we're, 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 we're quick to listen and slow to anger, uh, living in community in which we are choosing to put each other's interests above our own, um, if, if we're going to be in the habit of calling out, you know, how can we call out the good and the beautiful, uh, not forgetting the progress that we've made, not forgetting uh, the ways in which we have moved the needle, right? Um, while still then lamenting, praying and mourning together. Like this is what beautiful multi-ethnic fellowship looks like. You've done such a great job of defining these terms and given us a vision for these terms. The next set of questions that I want to ask you are how we as youth workers, whether we're paid ministers, whether we're volunteer small group leaders, how can we come alongside of parents and seek to equip and empower parents to do this work? So we're going to talk about partnership with parents, but before we do, let me give a brief pause so that we can hear from a sponsor on today's episode. Our greatest goal and hope as parents is to raise our kids to lifelong faith in Christ. This is no easy calling. Rooted's goal is the same, so we created a family discipleship curriculum you can use in a small group, Bible study, Sunday school, or for your church's entire family ministry. We have eight video courses with inductive Bible study curriculum led by pastors, counselors, teachers, and parents, including Colin Hansen, David Zoll, Peter Ong, and Cameron Cole. Course topics include Gospel 101, Talking to Your Kids About Sex, Parenting Teenagers, and Parenting Young Children, and much, much more. Click the link in our show notes from today's episode to sample three free videos, or visit rootedministry.com to sign up today. Our conversation continues with Dr. Michelle Reyes talking through um, a book that she co-authored, The Racewise Family, and specifically how we as youth workers can partner with parents to raise race-wise teenagers. Uh, I'd love to explore this with you. This, this corresponds with one of our five pillars here at Rooted, which is partnership with parents. We believe that youth ministry is done best, um, not only when children are integrated in the life of the entire church, but when parents are championed as uh, primary disciple makers of their children and we as youth workers get the joy of coming alongside of parents, of, of shouldering the load with them, of empowering them, of equipping them um, and encouraging them. So I'd love to talk through questions maybe of how you see we as youth workers might be able to come alongside and encourage parents in this work, right? What could we say? What shouldn't we say? Um, <laughs> what's helpful and what's just you know, 
heaping law and guilt onto parents. Help us understand how we can be an encouragement to parents to engage with these conversations and this work with their kids. Yeah, definitely. Well, uh, I might be preaching a little bit to the choir here because because Rooted's got a good thing going on. But I, I know that kind of within the greater Christian milieu, there is this debate about, you know, who should be educating our children? Mm-hmm. Is it the family or the church? You know, is it, is it parents or Christian leaders? Uh, and, and, uh, and I talk with parents all the time that feel like, well, my kids are going to be taught Bible at church, or they're going to be engaging in cultural issues at church, uh, as a, as a as a way to say we don't need to be having those conversations at home. And I uh, and and I think this is this is what you're saying, and 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 the heartbeat behind Root is that biblical training should begin in the home, and that what kids learn at church should then be an extension. Of that, right? So these are, you know, seeing these as building blocks of, of learning, uh, and 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 so in, in that sense, uh, for any leader, but youth workers included, I think it's important to first be be getting a pulse of okay, what is actually happening at sure. home? Are there conversations going on? Um, whether that's you know, youth workers actually having weekly or monthly or quarterly, you know, meetings with parents. Tell me about what's going on in the home. What conversations are you having or not having? Um, on the one hand, that serves as a as a, a gentle prompt for parents to be thinking through, oh, maybe I should be having these conversations. But then too, um, you know, depending on your context, right, whether you're suburban or urban, whether you have more majority or minority, you know, youth, that'll give you as a youth worker greater insight into, okay, what are my actual teens wrestling with? How can I be addressing these specific issues? Uh, you know, when we think about the local church and, and local teaching, uh, kind of in the vein of John Stott, right, of, 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 of a pastor should know his sheep mm. and he should be tailoring his messages to his specific sheep, not just the world in, in general. It's like, how, how can we do that in youth ministry? Not just, you know, sort of these generic sort of concepts of culture and race, but what are your uh, youth wrestling with, and 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 how can you, how can you one cast a vision uh, of of the special important role that parents should be playing in these conversations? How can you come alongside? Um, but that that comes with, I mean, break break bread in your in your teens' homes, right? Like get to know families, build relationships, and from a deep knowledge and awareness and understanding of the personal lives of of these families, then let that inform the curriculum you do or the, the, the lessons that you have. Yeah. And so speaking of lessons and curriculums, you know, we talk about equipping and encouraging youth workers and parents here at Rooted. So we've talked a little bit about the encouragement piece, uh, the presence, the ministry of awareness that comes with that. Let's talk about equipping a little bit. Any um, resources or any, any passages, any methods that you would commend to youth workers who um, are wanting to have these conversations well, both in youth ministry, but also in coming alongside of parents? Yeah. Well, I, maybe as a, a disclaimer, I think there's a lot of pressure on leaders to feel like we have to have everything figured out. Mm. And we don't. <laughs> you know, we all have our cultural blind spots. We all don't know what we don't know. Um, so on, on the one hand, I don't think we can discount the power of prayer. I think that's part of what it means to be race-wise is asking questions and praying. You know, asking your teens, uh, asking your youth, you know, what 
what what's on your heart what's on your mind you know what were the thorn roses and thorns of your week you know just getting to know them generally but you know what kind of conversations are happening right now you know if there was an instance of police brutality or racial injustice how are you processing that and you don't have to come alongside with all the answers but like hey can we can we stop and pray Let's bring this before God, seek his clarity, seek his wisdom. Um, I, you know, we can never discount responding in prayer. So I think that's that's a first step. Uh, I know for me, at least in my house with my kids, I have a seven-year-old and a four-year-old. Um, you know, I... I know my culture really well, and I'm starting to learn Latino culture because I'm married to a Latino, sure. um, you know, but there's a lot of cultures that I, I am less familiar with and, and couldn't necessarily just sit down and like teach to my kids. And so we read a lot of books. We read diverse books every week so I can expose them just to the beauty of other peoples and stories and cultures. And I think that's also just a great conversation starter for youth ministry is, is, uh, is find books that are at a, a teenage level that have Christ-centered conversations on, on, on culture and race, whether it is, for example, like Becoming All Things um, or The Racewise Family. Uh, Trillian Newbell has a great book called Creative God, Colorful Us, mm. you know, and actually like read a chapter a week or a chapter a month or something like that and and give them the input they need so that they can actually have the language and the vocabulary to process um, and, and think about what that might practically look like in their own lives. That's so wonderful. I really appreciate your time. I really appreciate your perspective and your wisdom on these topics. Any final closing words of exhortation or wisdom or encouragement that you'd leave us with as, as we sign off from this episode? Yeah. Uh, maybe just an encouragement to, to uh, youth workers and pastors and Christian leaders as well is that um, it's okay to make mistakes. Mm. Uh, I, I, I read a study once, uh, and, and I, I pro- Davis, I promise this relates, but I, I read a, a It's st- okay if it doesn't, by the way. <laughs> Listeners of this podcast know that we chase a lot of rabbits and sometimes they come back around and most of the time they don't. I love it. I love it. Well, I'm going to try to make a loop here, but I I read a a study about an art class. It was a pottery class, I think. And the teacher divided the class into two groups. One group was told to read a textbook all semester on how to make a pot. And at the end of the semester, they were supposed to then create one final product of a pot. But the other uh, group in, in the class were tasked to make a new pot each week. And, uh, you know, unsurprisingly, the one group that was only tasked with making one pot at the end of the semester, their products weren't that great, right? They, they'd done all the head knowledge, but they had one shot at getting it right. <laughs> Whereas the other group that had been making clay pots week in and week out for what, like, you know, three, four months, they had much more well refined uh, products at the end of the semester. And I, I, I think that's a great metaphor for life, but I, especially in these areas is that so often we're just so fearful that we're going to make a mistake and that keeps us from saying anything at all, Mm. you know, but I, I think part of the learning process is, in humility, in love, in trusting in the spirit and the spirit's guidance is to start having these conversations, to start engaging in this, recognizing 
this is this is a refining process. We're going to make mistakes along the way, and just to be able to say, okay, I, I I'm sorry, I didn't I didn't realize that this was offensive. Please forgive me. I'm still learning. Um, I don't know, and just continuing to put yourself out there and, and, and the greater in knowledge and the greater in love, uh, will, will grow. So to, uh, there's your permission <laughs> to put yourself out there, to make the mistakes and to trust that God will be, be growing and developing you um, along the way. I really appreciate that personally. I know our listeners do as well. And we really appreciate you spending time with us on this episode of the Rooted Youth Ministry Podcast. Amen. Thanks for having me. Yeah. If we want to learn more about you and your ministry and your writings, where would you send us? Yeah. So I have a website. It's my full name, michellemireyes.com. I have a lot of freebies on there. There's a cultural competency quiz. Uh, You know, you could actually maybe have your your teens go through that. Uh, My first book, Becoming All Things, I developed a four-part teaching series that could be used for uh, either a sermon series or, you know, a youth group teaching curriculum um, and uh, conversation cards. Like if you wanted to do an icebreaker, you could print out the card and go around the table and kind of just get some thoughts going. Um, so just a lot of freebies available for people to use and, and, and hopefully can be a blessing to folks doing vocational ministry. Excellent. Excellent. So Michelle Ami Reyes, mm-hmm. did I say that correctly? You did. Okay. You did. Wonderful. So good. Wonderful. <laughs> uh, and we'll have that link in our show notes of this episode. Um, so I commend that to you. I commend rootedministry.com. Um, and as always, thank you so much for joining us on this episode. Thanks so much. Listeners, thank you for listening to this episode of the Rooted Youth Ministry Podcast. If you found this podcast helpful or encouraging, we'd appreciate your help in bringing this grace-filled, gospel-centered, Bible-saturated content to others who might also benefit. Help us serve others by sharing this resource on social media, by leaving five-star feedback, or simply by subscribing wherever you listen to your podcasts. For more grace-filled, gospel-centered, Bible-saturated resources, be sure to visit rootedministry.com. As always, special thanks to High Street Hymns for providing the music for this podcast. On behalf of all of us here at Rooted, my name is Davis Lacey. Thanks for listening to the Rooted Youth Ministry Podcast.